Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. You know, I'm, I love that uh, the, the mini-series, The Crown. I don't know if any of you have watched it. And if you haven't, I mean, I don't recommend watching telly, but mind you, that's a wonderful series. But there is an episode there where Queen Elizabeth is crowned as the Queen. She ascends to the throne of the, ki- the Queen of England. And they place that crown on her head. And when they pra- place the crown on her head, the interesting thing is that there are nobles and dukes and duchesses and, ki- and priests and princesses and princes around in that abbey as well, they place the crown on the queen's head and they pick up their crowns and place them on their heads. And I thought, isn't that interesting? The queen is crowned and all the nobles are crowned. Do you know that Jesus is crowned as king of kings, but he also has given us a crown. But when we're singing that song this morning and it says, crown you now with many crowns, where does he get the many crowns from? He's got one crown as the king of kings and lords of lords. He's given you a crown. But when you take that crown off your head and lay it on his head, you're crowning him as the king of your life. And you're saying, I lay down my own authority. I lay down my own Um, claim to anything and I lay it down at at his feet. Oh, I love that. I love that. We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning and talk about this kingdom, the kingdom. And praise God, Queen Elizabeth's not the queen of this kingdom. No natural person is is the king of this kingdom. It's Jesus himself who's the king. So let's pray and then we'll We'll get into the word. Father, we thank you today for the unfathomable riches of your kingdom. And Father, we thank you that not only are we citizens of this kingdom, but you've given this to us as our inheritance. So we ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you reveal to us what riches you have for us in this kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you anoint my mouth to speak. You anoint the ears of the hearers. And Holy Spirit, you do the teaching. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. um, And it's good news similar to what Jesus, or the same message as what Jesus, when he came to earth, what he did. Um, Mark 1 verse 14. And it says there, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel. Well, we know that he came preaching the gospel. But what kind of gospel, what kind of good news was it, or is it? The gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, that, that, what to say, I mean, good news, good news would be salvation, mm-hmm. healing, deliverance, power, or strength, all of that. But you know, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom And I thought that's a very interesting description of what Jesus did, the gospel of the kingdom. Why is the gospel of the kingdom good news? Why is that good news? 
And so um, I was asking the Lord about it, and this is what I saw and, and as I was studying it. You know, when we are born into this world, the only way you can actually be a legitimate citizen of this world, of the earth, is that you are born into it. Everyone here, you are all legitimate citizens of earth, and the reason you are is because you were born. Is that rocket science or what? It's, it's not hard to work that one out. Because when your body, which is the thing that carries you here in this time, when your body carks it, you've got to leave. Just a little side note on that, the devil is an illegal, Ill illegal resident. Adam, who had the authority, opened the door and let him in. But that's another story. So we are citizens of this world. But when we're born into this world, we're born into what, what we call a closed system. Think about that for a bit. A closed system. What does a closed system mean? It means that there are constraints around us as we live here on this earth. There are constraints. Firstly, we are constrained by time. How many of you know that time can be quite a hard taskmaster as a constrainer? Time, space. We're held together here in this earth by time and space. It's also a closed system because we are limited in our understanding to our five senses and to our logical brains. So everything that you know to be real by your senses, what you can hear, see, smell, touch, taste, what you can logically reason with your own brain is limited. I mean, I know this as a human being. Our little dog, he can hear the post, postman coming before we can. He, he hears a little bit wider than what we do. Our hearing's limited. Our seeing's limited. Everything is limited because we live in a closed system. And this closed system, because of what Adam did, is also a system that operates under what we call the law of sin and death. There is a, a, there's a, a law that operates, not a law like legality, it's a principle. Like, you know, the law of gravity, the law of lift, the law, well, we've got the law of sin and death. I mean, what, when you are first born, the day that you were born, you start dying. That's bad news, isn't it? I thought we were going to talk good news. Oh, the, the news gets worse. You're born, not only do you start dying when you live here, your body is subjected to sickness, disease, everything. I mean, you build a house, the house starts deteriorating, you have to paint it, you have to fix it. It's actually called the second law of thermodynamics, which means everything tends to deteriorate. It's part of the law of sin and death. We're born into this system. That's, that's not very good news, is it? Okay, we didn't tell little, oh, he's not here to, right now, but little Isaac, we didn't tell him before he came out of the womb, hey, Isaac, we've got bad news for you, mate. The minute you're born, you start dying. Sickness is going to try and get on you. You're gonna, your life's going to be under stress, toil. You're going to have to work for a living, all that. Bad news. That's why when Jesus came, he says, I've got good news. There is a kingdom outside of this closed system in the earth. There is something more than what you can see, smell, touch, taste, and reason with your logic. There is more. 
In fact, scientists have discovered that there is more to what we see. They're doing all sorts of experiments to try and find that God particle. They've done all sorts of experiments with string theory and stuff. I mean, it's very interesting. When I went to school, when I did geometry, I was told that there are three dimensions. How long, how wide, and how deep. Three dimensions. And then, of course, a little bit later, they added the fourth dimension, which is time. That's another dimension. Then in the 70s, along came the fifth dimension with, you know, the, the age of Aquarius. They were onto something. <laughs> you remember that, don't you? The dawning of the age of Aquarius, which is going to take us to the fifth dimension. Could there be a fifth dimension, a sixth dimension, seventh dimension? Scientists believe that there are probably 17 dimensions, and they started looking at black holes and, and warp speed, and there's far more to this closed system than we have ever thought possible. And Jesus came to earth and he said, I've come with good news. <laughs> good news. The kingdom of God is near you. And he was going to show us how we could cross over from this closed system that we are constrained by and subject to, cross over into a new system. The kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus came with the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't come and say, look guys, I know you're having a hard time here. I'm going to die and I'm going to forgive you for your sins. So when you're living on earth here, um, I'm going to give you a bit of healing, provide for you and, you know, everything's cool. You can just, if you can just, you know, track out and bear it out and one day you'll die and you'll get to heaven. Whew. No. He said, I've come with the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and you can step into it right now. Whoo! Okay. So the next slide, let's have a look at what Jesus' core message was. He came with the good news of the kingdom of God. He addressed the Jews, the house of Israel. He came to present it to, the, to Israel. They didn't quite get it and we're going to have a look at some of the reasons why they didn't. And he changed the focus from external behavior to what happens in your heart, right? It's an internal. No longer do you have to conform to all sorts of regimented rules and etc. He says it's going to be a heart transformation. So this kingdom of God, what is it? In Hebrews it says that the kingdom of God is not just salvation, it's not just the church, it actually includes the church, it includes angels, it includes all the people who've already died, the spirits of just men made perfect. This kingdom of God is far bigger than just the church. Okay? Let's have a look at the kingdom of God. Slide number three. The kingdom of God operates by faith. Now you would all know that. Okay, if I was to ask you how it works, it works by faith. And Alan gave us a wonderful example about how the, uh, the, the principles of this kingdom puts in, he put into practice by faith. Now, faith actually has substance. It's not blind faith. It's not airy-fairy wishing, hoping, and praying, or whatever, that something might happen. It's not. Faith actually has substance. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance, it's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, your faith is the proof that this kingdom of God actually operates and operates well. 
Alan gave that example that by faith he left his job and he knew that God would provide for him. He had an assurance, it had substance, and it was real. This is how the kingdom operates. Faith takes you to a realm beyond your senses. Oh, I like that. Because I am, I'm in this closed system here. I'm held captive by this closed system. And all I know or understand is what I can reason with my mind, see with my eyes, hear with my ears, work it out together maybe in a little bit of collaboration with some other people, but we are all working inside this closed system. What faith does, it takes you out of the closed system of what you can understand and takes you to a realm of revelation that is the heart and mind of God. Faith will cause you to do some amazing things. Faith will cause you to leave your job without knowing that there's another job coming. Faith takes you out of the realm of logic and into the realm of God, this kingdom of God. Okay, your very first act of faith, very first act of true faith is when you accept Jesus as your saviour and crown him as the king of your life. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's have a look at what this kingdom is. Next one. It's not of this world. Jesus said very clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, my kingdom didn't come out of this world system. All the other kingdoms of earth, you know, the United Kingdom, um, whatever other kingdoms, earth's nations, all come out of this world system. Jesus said, my kingdom does not come out of this world system. He said, my kingdom is unshakable. There, because it's in the realm of eternity, it does not change. Nothing can shake it. Whereas kingdoms, nations here on earth will shake. And aren't we seeing shaking of nations right now? Oh, but the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. You can be absolutely certain by faith of what God said to be true. It can't be seen by visible signs. You can't determine the kingdom by just looking at it. You can see the fruit of the kingdom. You can see the fruit of it but you can't actually discern it by natural understanding. And the kingdom is actually within you and among you. You know, some people think about the kingdom of heaven being way out there in the stratosphere somewhere and in the sweet by and by, we might get to see it. No, the kingdom of God is actually in you, with you, among you, and you can operate in it right now. Ah, that's good news. Isn't that good news? Okay, the next one. The kingdom has narrow entry requirements. The same entry requirements that, that are required of you if you want to live on this earth, you've got to be born into it. But if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You need to, and that's why Nicodemus says, don't understand, you have to go back in my mother's womb and get born again. And Jesus said, no, you must be born again by the spirit of God. And it's easy. Jesus is the way. You just accept him and say, thank you, by faith. Because faith is the operating currency of this kingdom. Um, it's to be understood by revelation. In other words, you don't get to understand it with your natural understanding. It's revealed to you. It includes healing. That's one of the, um, I think we, we call it the, uh, what do you call it when you go and buy a, Souvenir. <laughs> when Jesus came to earth, he came with some of the, the souvenirs of, of what heaven looked like. 
Healing was one of them. Miracles was another. These things happen in the kingdom of God. And it can also be reflected in nature. You know, nature actually speaks about God. It says in Romans that nature demonstrates that there is a God. And uh, as Alan used that wonderful scripture that says, the kingdom of God is like a man who plants a seed. And Jesus said it a lot, the kingdom of God is like, and referred to something in nature. Okay, so um, what Jesus did when he came to earth, he travelled through the towns and villages of that area. Next slide. And he, he taught in the synagogues. He announced the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease. It's important to, to remember what Jesus did to establish his, the kingdom of God on the earth or to establish the kingdom of God. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And he also did a few miracles on the side as well. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. Okay. So we have here in this earth two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this world which operates under the law of sin and death. And then we have the kingdom of heaven which operates on completely different basis. So the kingdoms of this world will say to you, assert yourself. If you want to get ahead, you've got to assert yourself. Um, Defend yourself. If someone criticizes you or persecutes you, you better defend yourself. Um, Avenge yourself. If someone does you wrong, avenge yourself. Whichever way is legal or illegal, just do it. Um, The kingdom of this world will say, promote yourself. You want to get ahead in ministry, you want to get ahead in your business, you want to get ahead in your career, you've got to promote yourself. It says, serve yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. And it says, be proud of yourself. Have you heard that? Be proud of yourself. That's what the kingdom of this world tells you to do. But let's have a look at what Jesus said about the kingdom of of God or the kingdom of heaven. Two interchangeable but accurate descriptions. You are blessed by God if you are pure in heart, if you are a peacemaker, if you are persecuted for Jesus' sake. Isn't that an interesting one? Someone criticizes you and giving you a hard time at work or wherever because you're a Christian, you don't need to defend yourself. You actually call yourself blessed. That's a little contrary, isn't it? A little contrary to what the world tells you to do. It says you are blessed by God if you're humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because who will exalt you? He will exalt you. So you want to get ahead? Humble yourself. I'm telling you what, I've seen this in practice, not just with myself, but with other people. You're at work, and there's somebody at work who's, who's, who's knocking you down and, and pulling you down, and you can't seem to get away, you get, get rise or whatever. Humble yourself. It's amazing how God, because he's the king of your life, will exalt you. So there are ways of operating in this kingdom. Be merciful. Be merciful. Don't always be out to avenge yourself and be meek. Not weak, meek. Just pull yourself back. Pull yourself in a bit. And see how God will work for you. These are kingdom principles. They're the flip side of what the world tells you you should do. 
And here's a kingdom principle. When Alan left his job, I love that scripture. Let me go back to it, what, he's, what that was. It says, the man who sows a seed goes to bed. In other words, he rests and forgets about it. And the, and the earth does the job. In the kingdom of God, when you plant seed, when you have faith, you can rest knowing that God is going to work for you. You don't have to work for yourself. Okay, so there are these two kingdoms. Um, okay, so in the time that Jesus was here, he went around preaching the kingdom. And there were, the Jews of his time knew that the kingdom of God was coming. They knew that the kingdom of God was at hand because John the Baptist was going around preaching it anyway. But they knew something was coming and a lot of the Jews in Jesus' time felt that they could give God a bit of a hand by um, working at it to make sure that that kingdom of God came into being or came to, to revelation, to establish the kingdom. And there were four main schools of thought in the time of Jesus and I thought it really interesting that these four schools of thought can actually be reflected today. People who, who in the body of Christ want to flip over the kingdom of God's system and operate by the world's system in order to bring the kingdom of God into being. Just help God along a little bit. All right? So let's have a look at some of these four, um, these four different schools of thought. So they didn't know exactly how Jesus was going to bring about the kingdom. But the first one that we saw is the Pharisees. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the Pharisees, Jesus wasn't very, um, um, he, he wasn't that impressed with the Pharisees, even though the Pharisees themselves were very impressed with themselves. And Jesus was not impressed with them. They were fastidious adherents to the law. So, you know, you do one little thing, and they caught Jesus out on this a lot of times. They were out picking wheat on a, on a Sunday, on a Saturday, it was Saturday for them, on the Sabbath picking wheat, and they wanted to, you know, criticize them. They strictly followed the traditions handed down. So it wasn't even just the Mosaic law, it was all these traditions. Our fathers did this, and their fathers did that, so you need to do that. And they were legal experts. I mean, you couldn't do anything without the Pharisees would pick you up on legalities. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do anything. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds or is better than the Pharisees, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And you can imagine the Pharisees going, yeah, try and be like us. But Jesus wasn't very happy with them. And we'll see a little bit later. So these are the Pharisees. Okay, have you met any Pharisees? Don't answer that question. Next one, the Sadducees. They were religious liberals who discounted the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They actually modified scriptures to suit their own philosophy. They, they changed the scriptures to um, you know, support their own narrative, what they wanted to say. Most of them were very wealthy. They'd, were, they'd achieved a lot, and it's like, you know, we've got it sorted. Um, they were influenced by, the, by Hellenism, which was the Greek uh, philosophy, and they were modernists, so they were the trendy ones. They had everything watered down to suit their own narrative. And um, okay, I won't ask if you've met me, Sadducees, but there you go. Next one, the Essenes. The Essenes were an interesting group of people. They were offended by what was going on in the temple. 
Isn't that interesting? They were offended. And I don't blame them because the temple, uh, you know, the Pharisees and, and whatever in, in the temple were not doing, I mean, they weren't that great. So the Essenes said, we've had enough of the temple. We are separating and we are moving away. We're going to live in a commune. They lived in uh, monastic settings. They also were very legalistic, a living according to rites and practices. They're very legalistic in the way that they lived and they were very self-disciplined and they saw themselves as channels of peace. Isn't that interesting? Okay, next one, the zealots. The zealots were fanatical nationalists. They were radical revolutionists who incited people to political activism. They believed that the Messiah would restore the kingdom of God on the earth. And they looked to Jesus to restore the kingdom. They, they were really annoyed with Jesus because he wouldn't take up a sword and fight with them. So these were the zealots. So having a look at those four, I'm sure that each of you have not only seen those influences at work, but may actually have been influenced by them. Which one of those tends to pull you I mean, I have to admit, I can get a little bit pharisaical from time to time. You know, you're not doing the right thing. We're going to cut you off. Praise God for his grace. He never cut me off. So who do you identify with? So the answer to that would be, next slide, identify with Jesus. That's a good one. That's tick the right answer. So let's have a look at what Jesus said. What did Jesus say to these four groups? The Pharisees, Jesus said, your righteousness is not by the law. There is no way you can meet all of the demands of the law. Your righteousness, it can only be obtained because of Jesus. Nothing you can do can actually satisfy the requirements of the law. Then he said to the Pharisees, don't judge others. Judge yourself. Look at your own heart. Don't judge other people because God has, is the only one who has the prerogative to judge. And he's judged everyone in Christ Jesus. So God judges you and he sees Jesus and he says, you're righteous. And then he also said, uh, salvation is a matter of the heart. It's not by what you do or the fulfilling of the law that gives you salvation, that merits salvation. Remember, the kingdom of God has a narrow entry requirement. And it's not the adherence of the law, it's accepting Jesus. Okay, so the next one, the Sadducees, what did Jesus say to them? He said, enter by the narrow gate. There is only one way to enter. Build on the rock of truth. You cannot alter and change your foundations to suit the time. You be like the wise man who builds on the rock, not on shifting sands. You build your faith on current thought, on world philosophies, uh, trying to draw all faiths together and say, well, you know, I'm going to live a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of something else. You, you, you're building on the sand. Jesus says, build your life on the rock of truth and do the will of the Father, not the will of other men. Next one, what Jesus said to the Essenes, you are the salt of the earth. You know, back in the 70s, um, and it's, the 70s seem to be getting further away in history, 
But back in the 70s, there was a real uh, move for people to come out from among them and be separate. And a lot of Christians left their marketplace, as it were, and, and withdrew. Um, I had friends who went and lived for oh, over 10 years on a Christian commune, and they never saw anybody else. They just lived on the commune. Sounded like a great idea. But Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And I'm so thankful when I look even around at people here at Raymond Family Church, many of you are actually embedded in the world as a missionary, working in education, working in, in, in the legal sphere, working in business, working in the world as salt and light. That's, that's the way of the kingdom. And then Jesus said, let your light so shine. So when you go out into the world and you're living in the world, don't be of the world, don't be of the world, don't adopt their way of, of working, but be in the world as salt and light. Very important for the expression of the kingdom. And the last one, to the zealots, Jesus said, seek God's kingdom first. You cannot legislate the kingdom of God. You can pass all the laws you like in, your, in the world and people will still go to hell. You cannot legislate the kingdom. We hold a higher place of authority. Now, I want to make it really clear. I am not saying lie down and don't do nothing. Don't do anything. If you're a citizen of Australia, you need to activate your citizens' rights as a citizen of Australia. You need to speak out against wrongdoing. Sign that petition. Make your government representatives accountable. Do what you can to uphold righteousness because righteousness exalts a nation. But know that what you're doing is as salt and light in the world, but you actually have been given a higher place to operate. Oh yes, operate here in the world. Do what you can in the world to be salt and light and, and influence your society and influence our nation. But do you know Jesus gave you a seat of authority that is even higher. When you step into that kingdom authority, you are working with Jesus to establish his kingdom in the earth. Now, I want to just talk about that a little bit more. Um... Jesus said in, in Matthew, though, hang on, let me go here. Okay. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 15, this is very interesting. The men, having seen the signs that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophets who's coming to the world. Jesus, therefore, having known that they were about to come and take him by force, to make him king, what did he do? He knew they were coming to make him king. What did he do? He didn't say, yay, this is my opportunity. No, he said he retired to the mountains. He said, no, I'm not going to do it their way. Jesus said in John 18, my kingdom belongs not to this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would have been fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. It has no such origin 
or source. Jesus knew that to establish his kingdom, he couldn't do it the way that the Jews wanted him to do it. In fact, you know, when Jesus was taken and, and before Pilate, there were two that, that, of them that were held up and they said to all the Jewish people, who do you want us to release and who do you want us to crucify? And they said, crucify Jesus, but let Barabbas go free. I thought that was really strange. I thought, what people in their right mind would want Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas to be let free? So I did a little bit of reading about it. And I found that Barabbas, his name was also Jesus. Jesus was a common name in those days. So his name was Jesus Barabbas, and Barabbas means son of the father. Isn't that interesting? Barabbas was Jesus, son of the father, but Barabbas was a zealot. He was actively a zealot. Now, the, zeal, the name zealot had another name, and I, I can't remember. Oh, here we are. Yeah, I'll find it. Oh, Lestai, L-E-S-T-A-I. That word was closely related to the zealots and it meant thief or rebel. The zealots were almost like the um, terrorists in those days. They always carried around a sword and they were ready to fight the Romans so that they, and their intention was to establish the temple. They knew that the Roman occupation was illegal and it was against the temple. And so they fought against the Romans actively. In fact, uh, many of Jesus' disciples aligned themselves with the zealots. Why else would Peter have been carrying a sword at night in the Garden of Gethsemane? He carried a sword. And when these soldiers came to arrest Jesus, he was ready to take the sword. Some people feel that Peter was a little bit aligned towards the zealots. And when Jesus said, they're going to come and arrest me, and he says, no, I'll defend you. That their intentions were right, but they were so far short of what Jesus had already um, engaged in with his father to bring about the kingdom. And so when it came time for Barabbas or Jesus... The, the Jews said, no, we want Barabbas because we can see Barabbas is going to get the job done for us. Barabbas was leading a whole team of zealots and they were going to fight these Romans and get these Romans out and clear them all and reestablish the temple and everything would be good. But Jesus knew that his kingdom was not going to come to pass that way. Jesus had another way. And because Jesus didn't pick it up, he, he retreated, he retreated. The, the people of uh, the Jews at that time, they looked at Jesus and said, we thought you were going to come and help us. We thought you were our Messiah. You rode in a week ago on a donkey and everyone crowned you king, but you didn't take up the, the sword, you didn't take up the mantle, and they were disappointed with him and they said, crucify him. And they held Barabbas because their thinking was so much lower. You know, I read, uh, as I was researching, I read something written by a, a fellow by the name of Bob Kaler. He's a United Methodist pastor, and he wrote this. Jesus of Nazareth had told his disciples to put their swords away. However, he preached about the kingdom of God as not coming with force, 
but with a subversive movement of grace, like a mustard seed or a little leaven in the dough. He taught of loving your enemies, turning aside the other cheek when struck, walking the extra mile. In the Roman world, a soldier could grab a civilian and force him to carry the soldier's pack for one mile. Jesus said, if they make you carry it one mile, go ahead and carry it for two. Interesting approach. Interesting approach. Jesus offers us the vision of a kingdom that does not require killing for, but that is certainly worth dying for. He is ironically crucified as a revolutionary between two revolutionaries, and yet his revolution is one built on the power of love, not violence. In the midst of his pain, as he hangs on the cross, unjustly accused, sentenced and condemned to death, he does not cry out curses and abuse on his tormentors as do the others beside him. Instead, he forgives them. He dies with love on his lips, not hate. He didn't sell his life for cheap. In other words, he didn't take the lower option. But spent his life expensively, extravagantly, for the benefit of the world. His death advances an eternal cause. It's death, it is death that leads to life. He called disciples who would share that life, that vision with him, even if it led them to their own crosses. They would not die seeing the end of hope, but as Jesus' resurrection from the dead proved, it was only the beginning of God's kingdom. You know, the Bible says in Philippians that Jesus humbled himself to come to earth and then he humbled himself yet further to the cross. Jesus could have taken up the sword and killed the Romans and established the temple, but aren't you glad that he didn't? Jesus saw beyond what he could see with his natural eyes. He saw beyond what others were telling him to do and he looked to the purposes of God. He stepped out of the world's natural system and was operating from kingdom perspective using kingdom strategies. And Jesus is calling us to do the same. You know, it's very easy to be, get caught up with what's happening in the world and get angry. I mean, how many of you get angry? Uh, let's, I mean, am I the only one? I watch things and I get angry. It agitates me. It makes me cross. I want to pick up a placard and start walking down the street. And Jesus says, no, do it my way. How did he do it? He laid down his life and he operated in kingdom principles. He prayed for his enemies. He trusted God. He operated by faith. And we, we can step, in fact, faith, we said faith takes you out of the realm of your senses and puts you into a realm where you see things from a whole new perspective. So, Jesus is still calling us today to follow him in the way of the cross. He died in our place so that we might live, not so that we can throw away our lives on cheap imitation warped visions of the future on serving ourselves, on vindicating ourselves, on um, trying to invest in our own selves. 
but he laid down his life and he's calling us to spend our lives wisely, extravagantly on his very own mission and vision, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, while it won't be established here by our efforts, when we collaborate with God, we know that we can represent him here in this world. And I was talking with Anita and Alan after the first service and, and Alan, realized, Alan said that the position that he's in now, that God gave him, he is actually bringing light to the kids that he's driving around in that school bus. What we do when we express the kingdom through our lives is what it says in um, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 7. He that restrains, we hold back the darkness. Darkness is trying to encroach, but while we are here being salt and light in the earth, by expressing the kingdom, by demonstrating the kingdom, through signs and wonders and healings, by loving people, by praying for our enemies, by praying for our government. What we do is we hold back the darkness, which is collaboration with God, so that more people can be brought into the kingdom. And one day Jesus is going to come and wrap this whole thing up. And he will establish his kingdom on the earth. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Aren't you thankful that there is a higher way than what we see? It's good news. Jesus came to speak the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Let's be expressions of the kingdom of God in our world and in our neighborhood, in our family, and while ever we have breath here on this earth. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your amazing plan that you brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and into this wonderful light where we can live with our eyes wide open to all that the kingdom has for us and all that we can do in the kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.